It is important from time to time to stop and reevaluate and say, where are we at? Where are we going? How will we get there? And I find that the best tools for this are assessments, right? We, we don't really like assessments because they sound scary or something. They, they make us deal with reality and where are things at right now. Um, and sometimes we just want to pretend that uh, we don't know where things are at. But when you take an assessment, whether it's uh, strengths, weakness, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, the SWOT analysis, or you're looking at uh, what's been my history, where am I at right now, what are my resources, and where am I going, whatever it is, whatever technique you use for doing an analysis or an assessment, the benefits are that you get a realistic picture of who you are, where you're at, and whether or not you're actually going to get to where you want to go, right? And so this morning, we get to look at uh, Romans chapter 6, and I'd like to look at it sort of through that lens, as a, as a self-assessment lens, so that we might see, okay, where have we been, where are we at right now, what do we have at our disposal, so that we might get to where we're going, right? My, my sister, I've talked about her in the past, uh, she challenges me, right? She says, uh, big bro, what are your goals? What do you mean, what are my goals? Your goals. What are your goals? How are you going to get there? I said, well, I... She goes, you don't have goals? Yeah, you're going to have to have goals. Otherwise, how are you going to get there? uh, Okay, I've got a goal. Okay, how are you going to get there? What's your plan? Because a a goal without a plan, that's just a wish. It's just a dream. How are you going to... Okay, all right, all right, here we go. Okay. So, Romans chapter 6, this is how we're going to look at this. We're going to look at the old self, the present self, and then where we're going. Romans chapter 6, verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him, that's Jesus, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, If we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. To make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you. Since you are not under the law, but under grace. Okay, so we start verse 6. You've heard this before. If you've been here the last couple of weeks, we've already referenced verses 6 and 7, but we're going to do them again. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For those of you that are here this morning and you believe that Jesus Christ is your Savior, this has already happened. You have been united with Christ so that His death means something for you. You were united with Him in His death. You were united with Him in His death. 
That, that, that means that his death is your death. You already died. It's weird to think about, isn't it? I already died. Some of you are afraid of what might come. You're afraid of the death that, that might come. You, you have some anxiety about that. Don't worry about it. You already died. Because you've been united with Christ. That part has been taken care of. Because we have been united with Christ, we have died with him. It says we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Why did we have to do this? Why did we have to be united with Christ in his death? So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So that sin would no longer have authority over us. It would no longer have control over us. We would no longer be enslaved, right? That, that is that when sin would say, you know, I really would like you to jump. And you go, okay, how high? How high would you like me to jump sin? Real high. When we're enslaved, sin has that kind of authority over us. I want you to do this. Oh, okay, I better do it. But when we have died, verse 7, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Do you think that's true? One who has died has been set free. Can you still be enslaved once you're dead? I really want you to go out there and do that work. I can't, I'm dead. That, that, that's like the, the, you know, the saying of the beating a dead horse, right? You can wail on that thing. It's not going to go. It's dead. It's no longer enslaved to you. It no longer has to do what you say. That horse is gone. And in the same way, our old self is gone. It's dead. Sin can't tell you, hey, do this. And you go, oh, okay, I'll do it. It no longer has that kind of authority over you because that was taken care of back there. When Christ died, you being united with Christ, the sin psh, no longer has authority over you anymore. We, we, we recognize this, right? We, we recognize that, that in some ways sin has authority over us. It, it's what worries us. It, it weighs on us. That... That is, when we sin, our conscience, it, it's pricked, right? We go, oh, that, that wasn't okay. And the more sin that we have, or the worse the sin is, the more guilt there is that's associated with us. And, and we go, oh, man, I just, I don't know how I can do this. It's just weighing on me so much. I can't believe all the stuff that I have done. And I've talked with people and they, they go, I can never forgive myself for the things that I have done. And you hang on to that guilt and it's with you because we recognize I owe something for this. I'm indebted. I'm enslaved because of this. This thing that I did. 
And you'll see people who have given up hope. And they go, I am enslaved to this. And the only way out that I can think of is death. It's the only way I can get out from under this. It's the only way that I can break free from this. It's the only way I can get away from the guilt of this that I have been bearing. It's the only way that I can get away from the consequences of this. The only way out that I can possibly conceive of is death. And you see somebody that is completely hopeless. And very often somebody comes alongside them and goes, no, 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 really, really, truly, life is worth living. Why? Do you know what I'm done? Do you know the burden that I am carrying? The only out I really see is death. And this is the hope of the gospel. The hope of the gospel is that we have already died. We've already died. We were united with Christ in His death. And so that release that you might be looking for in death has already come in Christ because you've already died and been set free from sin. You've already died and been set free from sin. That already happened. For those of you who believe that Jesus, that you are united with Jesus in His death and resurrection, then in His death... You died with him and you have already died and all of that is done. Sin no longer has authority over you. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now what Paul wants to say is not only does Christ's death affect our past, but our present and our future as well. Verse 8, now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So also you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Right now, at this very moment, we consider ourselves dead to sin and alive in Christ. We were united with Christ in his death and in his resurrection, right? So if we have died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. We believe that we will also live with him. There is a sense in which we say, okay, having been united with Christ, Christ's story is now my story. And I'm participating in the story of Christ. We have been linked. We have been united. Teresa and I have been uh, married for a while. <laughs> Almost 16 years for those of you who are counting and think that I haven't been. But there is a sense in which her history, even before we were married, is my history. And my history, even before we were married, is her history. Because we have been united. Our lives have been united. Our histories are united. Our families are united. 
And her history influences me. And where I'm at presently and my future and my history influences her. From the things that we did and the choices that we made to our families and the influences that they had on us. And some of those things have been really wonderful. And some of those things have been really difficult. Because of some of the stuff that I brought into the marriage and some of the stuff that she brought into the marriage, we brought stuff in and as we were united, we went, okay, wait, that's a second. Hang on, time out. Why is this an issue? Oh, that's an issue because of my history. That's not my history. How come it has to be an issue for me? How come the way that your dad handled finances has to be an issue for me? Well, because it's my history and we're united now and so it's our history. Fair enough. When we're united, we share that history together. For good or for bad. And now when we are united with Christ, we share that history together so that his death and resurrection is our death and resurrection. So the death he died, we died with him and no longer does sin have authority over us. And now that he is raised to new life, we are raised with him. If we have died with Christ, we believe we also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. So also, you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So also, you are dead to sin and are now alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's your your current state. That's where we're at right now. Dead to sin, alive in Christ. Okay, what does that look like? How do we do that? Because what I find is that very often we drag stuff with us. And we go, oh, you know what, Christ, I've, I've got this history with me here. Can I bring this along? Christ goes, no. You don't get to, no. That is not, no, uh, time out, hold up. That is not part of who we are. That's not what we do. We're living now for God. Yeah, no, I get that. And mostly I'm going to, except for this one thing that I just want to bring the one thing. It's just a suitcase. A couple of suitcases. A flatbed truck. It's just a little bit of stuff. I thought I was moving in. Guys, no, 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 no. All of that stuff, that's gone. We're done with that. So like I should get a storage unit and just stick it away for later? No, done, completely gone. Let's be done with that. Put that stuff down. The the sin stuff, you're going to put that down. Now we're going to live for God. You and me together. You with me. We're going to live for God. We're going to glorify God in everything that we do. Okay, we can try it your way. And then what happens is that people go, okay, I, I sort of get that. Yep, I'm living for God now. But they go back to that storage unit. That stuff from before. Just to check. Just to see. 
Is it still there? Yeah, oh yeah, it's still there. But he describes, he talks about how we're going to move forward because ultimately, having died to sin and being united with Christ and living now our lives for God, we see this future where we will be with God perfectly, where we will be glorifying Him forever, united with Him without shame or anything, nothing standing in the way at all. And we see that in front of us and we go, huh, how am I going to get there? And he describes it here. Verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Don't you love that? It's like this, this kingdom, this kingdom uh, imagery. Don't let it reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. You already died. You died to sin, so it doesn't have authority over you. So don't let it reign over you. Don't give it control. Don't give it any place or authority in your life. Put it off to the side. Let not sin reign, therefore, in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. Don't, don't, don't present the parts of your body to sin and go, hey, you know what? You could use this for unrighteousness. The, the imagery still here is that, that sort of kingdom or, or military kind of stuff that, that you would present arms. What have you got? What have you got? You, you could go to all kinds of different movies um, and think about the, the scene, right, where you, the, the army steps forward and they present their arms and this is what they have. They stand there for inspection. The one that I thought of was the Jungle Book with Colonel Hothi, the, you know, the elephant. And he comes walk, marching down along, present arms! And now all, all the elephants stand like this, even his little son, you know, stands like this with his nose up in the air, that, sorry, the trunk up in the air. And he comes along and he inspects and he checks their tusks and he looks in, oh, soldier, you've got a dusty muzzle. Right? And then, so he comes and he in, inspects their arms. He, he inspects what they have. And that's what the, the description here is. Don't present do not present your members to sin as instruments or weapons or tools for unrighteousness. That you might stand there and, and sin might say, so what have you got? Where are you at? Oh, well, sin, I, I've got these eyes. They're really good at identifying attractive things that I would like to have. I, I, I've got these eyes. They're, they're, they're good for that. I, I've got these hands. I've got these hands. They're, they're uh, pretty good at pushing people around and being just slightly more violent than I intended to be. Oh, I've got these feet, too. These feet. Yeah, they, they, uh, they'll take me everywhere. Sometimes they take me right back to those places that I used to go all the time and I decided I don't do that anymore, but just somehow when I'm not thinking about it and I'm not intentional, I end up there. I've got these feet that'll do that. Uh, I've got this tongue. I've got this tongue. Yeah, boy, you should see when I let this tongue loose. Man, when somebody just makes me mad, I just let this tongue loose and I just let them have it. 
unleash it. It's probably the best weapon that I've got. I can cut somebody down in 30 seconds flat. Reduce them to rubble. I've got some other stuff too, but those are the big ones. He says, don't, don't do that. Don't present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. We're not presenting our members to sin. We're presenting ourselves to God. Did you catch the difference there? That little distinction? On the one hand, you're presenting your members... And on the other hand, you're presenting yourself. Do not present your members, the beginning of verse 13, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for unrighteousness. You're presenting your entire self to God. It would not make any sense for you to present all of yourself to sin. How would you do that? You died to sin. Sin no longer has any authority over you. You don't present yourself to sin. All you could do is present your members as instruments for sin. Because you've been brought from death to life. God did that. He brought you out of sin and brought you to righteousness. It's a completely new kind of life. And now you present yourself to to God. And if you are presenting your members as instruments for unrighteousness, you're really just smuggling arms across enemy lines. You're bringing those weapons from the kingdom of sin and darkness into the kingdom of light. And you're presenting yourself before God and you're going, ah, Never mind. Pay no attention to what my left hand is doing, God. Just, just only watch what the right one's doing. Not the left one. Just only pay attention to my tongue today, but not, not yesterday. Not last night. But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. So that when God says, what have you got? Present arms. What have you got? Oh God, I've got these hands. And, and they can't do everything, but, but they can help some. They can help some. And God, I've got these feet. And they can take me to the places you want me to go. And God, I've got these eyes. And if you help me, I can see those people who are hurting. Those people who are in need. So when you bring me with my feet to those places, I can see the needs that you put in front of me. And when I'm doing well, God, my my eyes, they help me to see your word that I might understand more fully who you are. And God, I've got this tongue. And it used to be when I let this tongue loose, it would cause all kinds of damage. But God, by your grace, I've got a tongue of encouragement now. One that brings praise to you. One that proclaims the good news that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
And we present ourselves to God and we say, God, here's who I am. Here's who I am. Present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. What happens if you've been brought from death to life? You are on the brink of death. Maybe that's about as close as we can imagine. You were on the brink of death and somebody pulled you out and saved you. And you oh, thank you. Thank you. Is there any way that I can repay you for pulling me out? And as God has grabbed us and pulled us from death to life, we just say, God, thank you. What can I do? What can I do to serve you? Too often I think that we find ourselves in this place where we know intellectually, okay, yes, I've died to sin and now I'm living my life to God, but I just, I just fall back in the old ruts. It's like this groove in my brain that even though I'm trying to do that, I just, I just fall back into these old ruts from who I used to be. I, I know I'm not that anymore and sin doesn't have authority over me, but I just fall back into these ruts. What do I do? And I think too often that we've, we try and do it all by ourselves. We try and go it alone. It's my problem. It's my sin. It's my struggle. And we try and go it alone. Rather than recognizing that God has pulled us all together. That we might bear one another's burdens. And walk alongside one another and encourage one another. And support one another. Because here's what I find is that when something happens and I fall back into those old ruts, I don't want anybody to know. I want to pretend that that never happened. We'll just cover that one over and we'll go, you know what? I'm living for God. And so you show up on Sunday morning and somebody looks at you and goes, hey, have you been living for God? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And in your mind, you're going, except for that one thing, two things, three things, except for those. But yeah, mostly in the main, by and large, got it. Big smile. And what happens when we do that is we, we are acknowledging that sin still has some sort of authority over us. Why wouldn't you confess that? Why wouldn't you acknowledge, yeah, it was a problem. In fact, I, I find that I keep falling into these ruts. It's because we still feel like there's some sort of shame and embarrassment associated with that. And we give this authority to sin. Rather than bringing it out into the open and going, you know what, this is my struggle and this is where I'm at. This is my struggle. This is where I'm at. By and large, I'm working for God. I'm glorifying God. I'm presenting my members to Him for instruments of righteousness. But I had this issue where I presented my members for instruments of unrighteousness. Would you pray with me about that? Would you walk alongside me? Would you help me with this? 
That's what he gives us the body, the, the, the other members of the church for. So that we can walk with each other through th- those th- kinds of things. And we can say, yeah, those are really dead. They're really gone. The other thing that I find that, that we have to do is we, we have to not just say, I'm going to turn away from, but I'm also going to turn toward. We, we, we feel like there might, should be some sort of neutral place that we can find ourselves. Yeah, I'm not praising God, but I'm just, I'm just not going to sin. And so we find when we're, we're fighting this sin that we just try and stop that, right? We're just going to try and not do that. Rather than replacing it and saying, this is what I'm going to do instead. My, my sister, I told you about her already this morning, and that she harps on me about my goals. It's because she loves me so much that she does this. Um, but she harps on me and she goes, bro, what's your goal? And I said, well, th- these are my fitness goals and this is where I'm trying to get to. And then uh, I post on Facebook about Halloween candy and some of the Halloween candy that I found myself eating. And she, out of everybody, comments and says, eyes on the prize, bro. And I don't mean the candy. Thanks, sis. Love you, too. It's the kind of love I need, though, right? Walking alongside my sister who knows me and loves me and says, you told me this was your goal, this is where you're going, and I'm walking alongside you and I'm saying, hey, that's a pitfall for you. (sighs) Okay. Yep. Sin no longer has authority over me. I'm moving towards something else instead. I'm moving from anger to patience. I'm moving from anxiety and worry to faith. I'm moving from lust and covetousness to Christian love and generosity. I'm moving from one place to the other. And when we are moving from one place to the other, what we find is when we're doing the other, the, the one no longer has authority over us anymore. I find that my um, biggest weapon against selfishness is generosity. When I find myself being selfish, it's time to be generous. And I give that candy back. I give that candy back to the kids and go, you know what? I'm not going to take it. It's yours and you may eat it. And when my selfishness is a little bit um, uglier than taking my kids' Halloween candy, I go, okay, it's time for me to be intentionally generous. Where, Where can I give right now, God? Because I'm stuck worrying. Because I'm stuck 
dealing with my own selfishness and greed. And so, God, where would you have me give? Would you open my eyes so that I might see some need? And you know what? If you ask God to open your eyes to see some need, you will find it fast. And you'll have opportunity to be generous. And you'll have opportunity to be loving. And you'll have opportunity to be kind. And you'll have opportunity to be patient. And you'll have opportunity to be gentle. Because once we have identified the sin that entangles us and pulls us back and we say, nope, you no longer have authority over me, I'm going to do this instead, then we're set free from that. It's not that we will never fall into a rut again. It's not that we will never go back. That we will never fail. But by God's grace, we make improvement. Present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. Christ has died for your sin. And when you believe that and are united with him in his death and his resurrection, it no longer has dominion over you because you're living a new life with a new purpose. In Colossians 1 verses 9 through 14, it says it this way. And so from the day we heard of your faith, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We have been transferred from a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light. And so if you have not yet identified with Christ, you have not yet said, yes, Jesus' story is my story, his death and his resurrection is my death and my resurrection, then that's the first place to start. And if you find yourself struggling because you said, no, I have been united with Christ, but I find myself falling into old ruts, then pray that God would free you from those sins. That he would give you new places to move to. That he would bring people around you. That you would even grab them and say, would you walk with me through this? So that I might walk in the light instead of in the darkness. And if you find that you are getting tired of the fight, then may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. Let's pray. 
Our Father in heaven, we cry out to you because we know that in our own strength we cannot do this. We could not transfer ourselves from a kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of light. We could not move from sin to righteousness under our own power. It took supernatural power. The work of Jesus on our behalf, his death, his resurrection has now become our death and our resurrection. And so, Father, we ask that as we walk through this, that you would help us to set our minds on the things above and not on earthly things. We pray that you would strengthen us with all power and endurance and with joy. That we might walk in faithfulness. Father, I pray for those who are here this morning who have been struggling with sin and are ashamed of it. Father, would you break the hold of sin on their life? And as they confess and repent, would you remove their shame so that it would no longer have authority over them, but that they might walk in newness of life? Father, I pray for those who are here today who have heard these things but have not experienced them them, themselves. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work. That you would speak to their hearts that they may believe and be united with Christ in his death and in his resurrection. that you might be glorified and they might be set free. And we pray these things in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.